Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So three semi-finals um, to preview today, lads. So we're going to do it in three parts. They are provincial finals. Um, I think they're all going to be wins for the favourites. So I'm going to start on the one I think is going to be closest, and then we're going to go in descending order until we end up with Dublin and Meath. Okay, so like I, mean, <laughs> I think that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to start with Cork Tipperary, lads. I think this is going to be the most competitive uh, game at the weekend. And like I mean, there's only one place to start here when we're going to talk about Cork and Tipperary, and that's Ger Brennan's apology to the People's Republic of Cork. <laughs> Apologies to all you rebels out there listening in. Uh, well, I, I tell you what I will say, Woolly Wright, is, is that Kerry had every opportunity to, to win by six or seven points, given the conditions, if, 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 if they were switched on. But you got to give credit to, to, to Cork that they were set up in a way um, that kept themselves in the game from the very, very uh, start, and, and, and they gave themselves an opportunity. Uh, as the match uh, wore on and, and, and the couple of subs introduced, I know the game's been talked at this stage where, where, where I, I think gems of, of, of subs to be brought in made made a huge difference to the, uh, to the Cork team and, and, and the management of Cork have to get credit for that because it was obviously a ploy, I would say, that they decided to go with. It was to, to, to have the younger, maybe fitter guys uh, uh, work hard and wear down the Kerry team and then we introduced some of the older more skillful fellas towards the end, and and, and those fellas made a, made a, made a big difference. So yeah. uh, now I'm sure I'm sure you. It's not because you're sore about the 2010 All Ireland semi final or anything like that. Well, that was the game. We were up by maybe <laughs> eight points in that match. I remember it. Yeah. Uh, we 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 were just still that bit naive and green, I suppose, around the years. Uh, that Cork team uh, under um, Con- uh, what's Connor uh, Hoolahan. They, 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 they were on the upward curve and, and, and that was the best that they got. And that team, that Cork team could have won a few other All-Irelands, but um, they never, they never, they never managed to, to kind of repeat yeah. it. Connor Cunahan Coon- is one. Connor Cunahan. So we, we know that this game, I don't know why this game isn't on, on, on Saturday night. The Me Dublin game is on Saturday night because the exact... Um, uh, anniversary of Bloody Sunday is November the twenty, the November the twenty first. So mm-hmm. November twenty second is on on Sunday. Connor, have you seen the Tipperary jersey? I have to say it's class. I have, yeah, yeah. I think it looks, um, I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really good, and it, it's it's just a nice touch by um by Tipperary, a nice touch by the GA, and, and they've done a lot of good around the 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 commemoration. To be fair, with uh. I think they're they're lighting fourteen candles in Crow Park around uh, this weekend to commemorate the people who died on Bloody Sunday. 
Uh, they've commissioned the Bloodied Field podcast uh, the, the, based on the brilliant book that Michael Foley did. Uh, they've they've done these jerseys as well. I think they're they're asking the, the GAA public to light a candle this weekend as well. So everything they've done around um, everything they've done around the commemoration uh, is. Uh, has been brilliant and uh yeah looking forward to seeing that jersey in 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 action as well because i think it looks fantastic yeah and uh, and you have to give a shout out to teneo as well who have foregone foregone their sponsorship in such a big game they probably don't get an awful lot out of the tipperary footballers so the time to do in a monster final <laughs> they have uh you know they've taken their sponsor off the jersey which is the right thing to do i saw ian mcguire um car captain talking about this and uh cork wore commem- commemorative jerseys in the league against Derry this year and he was talking about the extra motivation that it gives. He says, I remember for the Cork Derry game, just a couple of texts that week from players who were going on about the jersey and you can get extra motivation. I don't know, Jer, because obviously none of us will have had firsthand um, you know, experience of this, whether there's extra motivation you can get from it or extra pressure. I suppose, again, this is a bit like, are you too, are you tired or are you too fresh? We won't know until Monday what the right answer to that is. And, and, and this, yeah, I, I agree with your, your kind of assessment of it. Uh, there is, um, you can use the word maybe responsibility um, and, uh, uh, that you have in, in, in wearing the jersey on this particular occasion. And um, in, in, in getting ready for the show today, Woody, I was thinking back to the Ireland versus England rugby match in, in Croker in 2007. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the emotion that was there on the Irish players' faces during Hour on the Beam. Um, and, and and the passion, and the power, and 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 the spirit that the Irish team displayed in that particular occasion, uh, you know, it's it's very very hard to 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 get to that level of performance of of all at warfare, unless maybe it is an All Ireland final or something like that, and 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 of Tipperary uh, and the Tipperary management, they're able to, to use this to their advantage. Um, I think they could be a force uh, to be reckoned with. You'll see fellas putting their head where they wouldn't put their foot and yeah. you know what could happen, you know? You see, I have some arguments about that, Jaron. Like, I mean, for a championship match, should you not be putting your head where you'd put your foot? You know, why Why is that extra motive? Where does that extra motivation come from? And you mentioned an All-Ireland final. Like, would you do something in an All-Ireland final that you might not do in a Leinster final? Well, OK, that's not a good example for you <laughs> playing for Dublin in a Leinster final. Think about another big game that yeah. you actually, you know, are worried about losing. Well, well, I, 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 I certainly, I, I, I played every game, um, uh, whether it was a really challenge game with St. Vincent's, uh, I'll be honest, Willie, to, to, to playing for the college, to, to playing for Dublin, I, I certainly uh, played the same way nearly always. But you do find an extra bit of energy, an extra bit of something. Um, it, it's hard to quantify it, it's hard yeah. to measure it, but it's just a feeling that you have within uh, it's a spiritual, um, emotive uh, response to playing for something greater than just you and even something greater than just the actual team that are taking to the field. And and, and, and with that, uh, can come an awful lot of momentum. Um, if, like you mentioned at the um, beginning, if it's used in the right way, if, if players are able to manage and harness it, um, what will happen to a couple of Tipperary fellas, no doubt, they probably went to their shells a bit. But um, no, I think I know what you're saying. Willie. You're, you're playing a championship match for your for your for your county, uh, you should be putting in the same effort. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that that won't happen, but this playing for something bigger than yourself, yeah. it, it, uh, there's a huge responsibility. Um, there's also a pride that comes with it. There's a fear that comes with it, whereby you might be judged poorly by your by your kinsmen if if you if you don't put your head on the line. And, and that uh, itself is another motivator, you know. But, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I, I, I take, I take your point in a perfect. And look at the, my point was in a perfect world. But every player isn't different. Every player is different. And I suppose, Connor, we've all been in dressing rooms where there's just a, a feeling in the dressing room. You know, the, the managers hit the perfect tone, and you know you're running out into that field, and you just feel a little bit different than you did in another championship match. Is that fair to say? And I do think that like if if power the tip tip manager harnesses this right and it doesn't go to town and you know, he could set a tone in a dressing room where these lads are running out in that field for blood. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's occasions that merit kind of um I, I think there's occasions that merit where where you know you can be motivated to give that little bit extra than normal because like something that, you know, Joe referenced the two thousand and seven game then and I'd say even since then and especially 
in the GA with all the talk about processes and stuff is that people kind of um, people nearly nearly forget about emotion and forget about the effect that emotion can have on a performance. Now, as long as you don't go too far uh, in the other direction and, and let yourself get too emotional, let that affect um, your process and the things you do on a, on a regular basis. I, I think it's fine. And David Power was actually asked about um, he was actually asked about the jersey and just just the I suppose playing on, on such a such a, a kind of a milestone of an occasion. He said he put it to the group and the, the feedback he got that to wear such a jersey would be an honour and a privilege. He said they tap into it a little bit, but they wouldn't go overboard. Right. Which I- the right way to approach it to be honest yeah no I think it is like I mean uh, have sports psychologists ruined this whole thing uh, Ger because like I mean they would tell you that uh, the bull haze crying in that national anthem is in no way to prepare mentally for a game do you know and all the emotion because they, they, the sports psychologists tell you to separate emotion from the, the process to sound a bit like Jim Gavin and I'm sure that was the message but Jesus Christ like I mean especially in a situation like this there's times where playing on emotion, like, I mean, Jesus, you know, just that rawness. Like, I mean, we're human beings. Send them out wound up altogether. It's, it's like if ever there was an opportunity to smack the hurley off the desk and, <laughs> and to the fellas going out this Sunday, David Power, like, like you know, tactically, you you know, they'll, they'll have their homework done and, 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 and whatever they they they'll, they work on what they can improve on from the Limerick game and they focus on core strengths and weaknesses and go through that process uh, diligently, no, diligently, no doubt. But I think there's very little to be said when they in the dressing room beforehand on, on a Sunday when you look at the history that's there um, and, the, and, and, the, and the type of jerseys that they are wearing that they will be an embarrassment in some ways. Not that he'll use that word, but as a player, I'd be feeling that pressure. I'm going to be an embarrassment if I don't put my fucking head on the line and, and do everything that's that's required um, uh, to get the performance and to get the right results here without crossing over into the red zone, which which can happen without uh, having this sort of, uh, as I know, having this sort of um, uh, historical significance uh, hanging over you too. But um, it's like, and again, you said it as well, Woody, and, and Connors mentioned it too. Like, like different players are, are motivated differently. Um, some guys can maybe become emotionally hijacked and and and, and lose sight of of of, uh, of what it is they're supposed to be doing. And if there is a bit of a scuffle in the early moments of this game, which no doubt um, there there will be that physical contact there, um, the tip guys would probably have to keep in check that that bit of emotion that they are um, um, uh, probably carrying going into the match. But I, I, I'm very excited to, to actually watch the very start of this game, uh, Woolly, even the first 10, 15 minutes to see see what tip are bringing to it um, and to see if, if, if the significance of the jerseys and the, and the, and, and the 100 years uh, history is going to add value to their performance. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Tip, the, Tip obviously beat Cork in 2016. Um, they've played five times since then, and Cork have won all five. Uh, before those games were very close, and Connor Sweeney and uh, David Power have been talking about this during the week. And they often beat them at underage level, coming up through the through the ranks. Connor Sweeney said the fact we, they were both in Division Three. Um, this year, Connor Sweeney said the fact we've been playing Cork more regularly, we've been in the same league divisions as them in recent years. So you take a little bit of confidence from knowing we can compete with them, and we won't go to town more on the psychology of it, uh, Connor. But obviously, Mead coming in against Dublin, Cavan coming in against Donegal, you know, especially how one sided that Ulster final was. Tipperary will have a lot more belief probably as one of the three underdogs. Yeah, uh, and just going on what you said there, Willie, I was kind of surprised to see the odds um, for Sunday as well, which I think Cork are five to one on or Tipper four to one, especially considering now I know Cork had a had a brilliant kind of Division Three league, league campaign, but they were still in the same league as Tip. And I think it's just like I think it, like the mentality of the Tip players, I think, would be really important because they they don't they're not. Uh, Granted, their recent kind of uh, history isn't great, but they're not burdened with, you know, Cork being the powerhouse that they were, you know, years and years ago. As, as long as they've as long as they've played against Cork, they've been beating them at underage, and they've certainly been competitive with them at senior level. Going back to, I think David Power said that their best performance in the league this year, granted it was in February, was was against Cork, even though they conceded three goals. So I think that's I think that 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 that's going to mean that's going to mean a lot to to Tip going in against this weekend, like affecting their mentality. Because I think in the other games, for example, 
I think Mead definitely and Cavan, while certainly they'll it's a it's a provincial final, so they'll, you know, fancy their prospects to a certain degree. There's definitely going to be something weighing in the back of their minds, knowing that Donegal and Dublin are probably a level above them. Whereas I don't think Tip will have that this weekend. Still think that Cork will probably end up on top, but I think that the odds, especially, are, are seem a little bit long for my liking. Yeah, and Colin O'Reardon is back. Like, I mean, he's got permission to play in this Munster final, which is huge um, for Tipperary. Like, man, this fella's the real deal, and he was the real deal playing wing back before he went to to the Aussie rules. Be interesting to see where he plays. Um, Jack Kennedy and Stephen O'Brien are actual doubt, doubts for the game. But if everybody's fit, I suppose Robbie Kiley, who's been playing wing back, I don't think he's suited to that. Um, he'll probably play centre back, and Colin O'Reardon will play um, his usual number five. Uh, Bill Maher will probably go back to wing back. Like I think, uh, I think Tipperary are a decent team. Like I mean, they're 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 a good team. I think, funnily enough, their manager David Power says for some reason we seem to play at the level of our opposition. Uh, we play well against the better teams, and and that's not an, a, an arrogant thing. I remember Mayo going through qualifiers a lot of times, saying the same analysis about them. Jeez, they seem to be able to play at whatever level the team they're playing, you know, they're playing plays at. And they are a defensive team. There's no doubt about that. But usually when you say you have defensive teams, surely Quinn Living will play inside um, along with Connor Sweeney this time. Surely they'll have somebody. Liam Austin is back fit, holding the 45 to try and link between the two of them. They'll defend with everybody else. They're a big, strong physical team. Like, I, I think Tipperary are a decent team. We'll get on to Cork in a minute, obviously. But, like, I mean, Tipperary can cause Cork problems. Uh, Chair. Yeah, um, I, I, I know the tip class fairly well. Uh, Colin O'Reardon was in UCD. Um, you believe Casey, uh, Jimmy Feen, Emmett Maloney, Colin O'Shaughnessy. Um, all these lads have, have, uh, have played in UCD, so I know them quite well. And, and they're fairly talented fellas. Whether O'Reardon comes back into the team, um, I think that could be a big ask um, to, 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 to integrate uh, into a... He's been training with them, you see, Ger. Like He's been a selector for the last uh, few weeks, so he's been playing... Like a, a, like I, I think it would be crazy if he hasn't been tra- uh, training in the matches with them, maybe, because yeah, so, with, a, with a view of potentially playing. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen him on the line, all right, for a couple of their games, and, and uh, no doubt he is a talented player, um, but... Going straight back into a full-blooded inter-county game can be uh, challenging. Um, I know we've seen Conor McKenna uh, is probably the best example of any of the lads who come back from the AFL to, 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 to look like that uh, he wasn't he wasn't missing for um, uh, even 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 a day or two. He 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 was so effective, and obviously Mark Keane probably quiet for most of the game, but uh, for Cork, but. He, he he popped up last minute to to get the winning goal. So so you know we will see a reason at some stage whether whether he starts. I don't know. I think it could be a big ask for him, but but you never know. Um, you mentioned Wally how how defensive uh, Tipperary are and and Cork played in many ways uh, a similar kind of a, a, um, a game plan against Kerry and. You know, if, I think there is opportunity there to get at the Tipperary defence because they do uh, drop off quite a bit and they invite opposition onto them. But then again, if David Powers, um, obviously he's the manager, he, uh, he knows the lads pretty well from underage. His, 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 his success in the minor all in final against Dublin, I think that was maybe 2011. Um, he, he, he knows the psychology of, of, of his players and if, if, if his players tend to play better, Against better teams, well then, you know they should be able to 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 up their game. But you know, for me, if I was in the Cork dressing room going into the match the weekend, I, I'm I'm just looking at nailing uh, Connor Sweeney, um, Quinlevin uh, to a point, but certainly Connor Sweeney is their main man between freeze and and, and general play. I think he he, he he kind of is their go-to man. Obviously, their captain as well. I think if, if Cork can manage to, to, to hold him uh, in the same way that they uh, somewhat managed um, David Clifford, um, I think your man Morris Shanley, the fullback, was on Clifford last week. Yeah, he'll uh, probably pick up Sweeney, but like, I mean, Cork don't have a, any kind of size. Flahev is, um, wouldn't be that big. He struggled on Clifford before. Now, I know this is David Clifford and uh, O'Donovan um, played cornerback um, the last time. He'd struggle. This is why I think Quinn Livin has to play inside with uh, Connor Sweeney. I think Tipperary are absolutely crazy if they've Michael Quinn Living playing out the field foraging around a packed middle third. 
I know I'd agree with you. Like you're you're leaving your two marquee forwards inside, but 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 Cork will play uh, certainly one extra sweep or if not two, and and all they'd be looking to do is is to break those balls being kicked in, and and their sweepers to pick them up. And again, if you're if you're limiting uh, a combined score of, of Sweeney and and Quinlivan maybe to five or six points over the course of the seventy minutes, well then that's a job fairly well done by your your your. Your back four, the two man markers, and probably the two sweepers, um, and and going the other way, I just think that's uh, Cork. I thought it was. I I I'd love to chat to the Cork management when it's, when it's over, but I thought it was a very clever ploy what they what what they used. I mentioned at the start by by bringing in uh, the likes of uh, Luke Connolly, um, uh, Michael Hurley, and uh, Paul Kerrigan uh, as the Kerry backs weren't as fresh as they would be at the beginning. Of the of the game and uh, and those three fellas um, along with Mark Collins then as well had a big big impacts on uh, on that final result. Yeah. And I think whether those fellas start against Tipperary the next day, I I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I think I think they will start the next day against uh, Tipperary, and I'll tell you why. I think Cork picked the team to play as underdogs against Kerry. They picked a lot of big men. Um, they want to put all their kickouts out out long. They wanted big men to be able to compete for those and win breaks. I think mm-hmm. they're favourites now against Tipperary, um, Connor. I think Marquine will definitely start because number one, he scored the goal the last time. Number two, he's a great target man. And number three, Tipperary will play a sweeper. And where will the sweeper stand in front of? Marquine. What's that going to do? It's going to free up Hurley. It's going to free up Collins. I think Luke Connolly has to start this time at 11 or even in the full forward line, but drifting because he is one player who gets the ball, looks up and is dying to ping it to Marquine. Now, you don't have to go to town on Marquine, but even the fact that he's there, he's going to occupy the tip sweeper. Tip will play with a sweeper and then Hurley and Collins can get a little bit of joy. Well, I thought Luke Connolly would start. Uh, well, I agree with what you say there about uh, Cork. You know, they... they um they cut their cloth to suit the, the game that they wanted yeah, to play. I think so. And then they then they had the game changers to bring on. I did I don't think they'll start Marquine. Maybe I'm wrong. The thing is that the reason I say that is because before his intervention against Kerry, he barely got a kick of the ball at all. And my fear would be for Marquine that if they start him from the start and that happens again, that they'll that they'll have to take him off and lack that game changer that they have to come on off the bench. Uh and just not sure if he's like he he hadn't had that much exposure to the team before. Uh, before the game against Kerry either. So with that in mind, I thought that they'd hold him in reserve, but that they'd start Connolly because they'll want, you know, they, they knew that if they hung in the game against Kerry and had him to bring on, you know, after 50, 60 minutes, be a big advantage, whereas they'll want to press home that advantage from the start the next day. Just what you say there about uh, Michael Quinlan as well. I, I, I agree that I think they'll put him inside because I think the fear for Tipperary would be that if Quinlan was to start around the half forward line, if I was Cork, I'd be looking to maybe put Sean somebody like Sean Powder on him and keep him keep him honest and keep him kind of maybe the you know have him track him back after Sean Powder all day long. So I put Sweeney and Powder in there as well. And the link that you mentioned in the Tipperary half forward line being very influential, whether that's Coleman Kennedy or somebody like that that can you know try and play more kind of disguise balls into the full forward line rather than something that a sweeper can snuff out easily. But I, you know, I, th- I think Cork and Tip might play different. I think Cork will hold Marquine in reserve. If I was Tip, I'd be starting Colin O'Reardon all day long. Obviously, I haven't seen what he's like, but know what a prospect he was. And I think it's better to go that way than die wondering because I think Colin O'Reardon is going to be involved eventually anyway. So I think Tip have nothing to lose here. Just go with him to start and see what happens. Yeah, I, th- I think O'Reardon will, will start as well. What do you think of the, the Marquine up front, sweeper covering him, and then play maybe Collins and Hurley just out in front of him? So now they're not getting covered by anybody. Like, I mean, we, I've, I've talked about this last year with Kerry, with Clifford, and they played Geeney and James O'Donoghue just out in front of Clifford. And obviously, Ger, as you know, the sweeper will always cover the fella that's inside. So instead of having two inside and having the sweeper covering both of them, why not just play one inside? They will naturally cover Keane because of his potential fielding ability and goal-scoring ability. And now you have Collins and Hurley running, you know, obviously all depending on what halfbacks do. But if you can occupy their halfbacks in some way, Collins and Hurley will obviously get more joy. Yeah, uh, look, it is a tactic that uh, they might use. Like, like Cork... You know the the goal they got to win the game was was a, a missed shot from from Luke Connolly. Um, in my view, he was going for points and 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 Keane made him. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 
Right. So, so, uh, so um, like they didn't strike me as a team that were drilling in in, in long diagonal ball or long ball um, uh, in the games I've seen them play so far this year at Cork. But that's uh, not to say that they they might give it a, a go this time round. Like if you if you bring out Hurley and and, and you bring out Collins a couple of yards, you pick up the break. And this the you've a you've a man marker on on on, uh, on Keane with the sweep in front. Like you're still comfortable ish as a defensive unit. You're you're probably gonna have a plus one in your half back line as well. And if the ball is being kicked over your head as a as a as a centre back, what you're looking to do is sprint back in uh, to provide additional cover and then your midfielders are looking to sprint back kind of onto your men uh to to, to, to uh to pick up any breaks that are knocked out that bit border. But if they can cork, if we can, uh, I suppose, get their spacing right where Keane holds his depth um, and uh, Hurley and Collins are out maybe around the D and they're making later runs in, that creates a, bit of, uh, a bigger gap. And it also will ask maybe more questions of the sweeper, whether he'll go closer to Keane or he'll come out to the 21-meter line. Um, but uh, I don't know if it's something... We'll see too often. I think it did work, but I think it worked by uh, by fluke as opposed to the design the last day. Yeah, no, I think I think you're probably right. I think they just threw him in kind of at that, this stage. And I think Mark Keane, you're right, Connor. He didn't get a kick of it at all, which we know. But I think he'll have two extra weeks, um, you know, of training, the confidence of scoring the goal, and maybe it's something you know that that we will see. I, I definitely do see Cork approaching this game in a different manner than they approached. The, the Tipperary or the, the Kerry game because like I mean they were a very flamboyant attacking team last year in the championship and I think that you know the, the way the game panned out with Kerry and I think more so with Kerry's tactics turned that game into a, a more negative game than maybe Cork uh, generally like to play we'll get uh, predictions on this one lads because we've two more games of equal importance uh, to cover what do you think Connor? first? I'm going for uh, Cork to win by four to five points wait Okay, um, Chair. I, I'm going to go with a, a, a low enough scoring game. Um, will he maybe Cork by maybe two or three points? Yeah, Cork by two. It, it, like, I mean, you can make loads of arguments for Tipperary. And if, if, if David Powers' you know, comments are right that they do... That they, that they do kind of level off, you know, play at the same level as their opposition. Because, like, I mean, if they, they, when you look at it, they're struggling over Limerick and they're struggling over Leitrim in a must-win game away, you know, and just Cork are at a bitter level to that. But then you bring in the fact that they're not afraid of Cork, you bring in, you know, the bloody Sunday, all that emotion, and I'm starting to convince myself to tip her in with a real shout in this one. So I'm going to go with a bit of a, a left-field one and go for a draw match with Cork to come out in extra time. Wow. Well, happy with that? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back with the Ulster final analysis. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that's great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you So the Ulster final, lads, it wouldn't be an Ulster final if um, there wasn't some sort of mind games going on in the lead up to it. Declan Bonner is not happy with the pitch in Armagh. There's not much they can do about that. It did, it didn't look to be in great shape for the down uh, Cavan game. But uh, like almost like clockwork, Declan Bonner, we hear Mayo coming out with this with Aidan O'Shea sometimes. And he says he's talking about Michael Murphy. He says he's a special player. He doesn't get the protection that he deserves, like everyone else that goes onto a playing pitch. Michael is well fit to look after himself. I felt there were a number of frees that we didn't get. We'll move on and get ready for next week. So he's putting that out there. You know, Mickey Graham is saying, Jesus, well, we can't let Declan Bonner get that kind of psychological uh, edge up. And the referee is going to give Michael Murphy loads of frees now. I better say something about this or else we're going to be at a serious disadvantage. So now Mickey Graham comes back and says, um, do do uh, the bigger teams get easier calls? Probably at times. The referee know these players by first names. The top teams are probably playing regularly with the top referees and they probably know them a lot better. At times, they seem to be able to communicate stuff to referees 
where if we ask a question, we're basically told to go away. So here we go. First, it was 1-0 to Donegal on Declan Bonner. Mikey Graham has come back. He's countered that, that uh um, comments in the media, Jer. So I see it as one all. I don't know. The referee doesn't know whose side to take now. It's it's, it's no, it is mine game. <laughs> Definitely, it's 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 a strategy that's discussed at management level um, with, with with their PR gurus or whoever they have, and and it is important that you are. Um, you know, would 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 we have seen any comment from the cabin camp if, if Bonner hadn't put out his comments? I don't know, but look, it's something that goes on and, and it makes for a bit of entertainment in, in, in the build up to these matches and something to talk about too. Um, I like my my experience referees, Wooly, is is at senior and county level. Um, most of the referees are decent referees, um, decent fellas. Um, I've met one or two arrogant idiots in my time at playing inter county. Um, but only a small few, and you meet those people everywhere. But generally speaking, the referees are going out there to to, to have a, a solid game. Um, they will have prepared themselves um, with the referees, assessors looking at any particular fouls that wasn't being picked on and uh, picked up on in previous weeks, and the recirculations um, or memos going around on the referees groups to, to to focus in on these particular areas and. I think uh, and Bonner's comment on, on Michael Murphy. Uh, I, I, I've uh, been ran into by Michael Murphy a few times, and 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 it hurts. Michael Murphy uh, gives as good as he gets. Uh, haven't played against him. He does. And, and uh, his, his his size is just because he's a bigger fella. Um, uh, maybe he doesn't draw as many frees because he he, he he's so hard to. Knock off, off, off tilts, but uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that. And and in the same way, I think Mickey Graham comment, um, the smaller counties, uh, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I wouldn't agree with that either. But I can understand uh, and appreciate why why both managers uh, put out the comments that they did put out. What, what do you think, uh, Connor, about the likes of buttering up a referee or whatever? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like at intercounty level, I don't think referees are or butter up, butter up, upable, or anything like that. But like, I mean, you probably could do it at club level with a kind of a harmless referee if you wanted, especially as a county player. You know, where you could maybe plumb off him a little bit. I don't know. I, I, these referees are practically professionals at this stage. I, I, I think too much can be read into you know getting the referee on site, especially the big ref, the, the really good referees. Yeah, well, if they're, they're the really good referees for a reason because they shouldn't really be getting influenced by by these players, no matter how 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 high profile they are. I think it's it's definitely a case of club level. I mean, one of the most annoying things playing at club level is that you know you, you'll hear um you'll hear a referee address a county player by their first name, and they're the only, which is fine in some cases, but they're the only players on the pitch they're addressing by their first name. So nearly by nearly by definition, giving them preferential treatment. So club level is a possibility, but you'd like to think that the the best referees. Um, you know, aren't you know they are the top referees because they don't get affected. Now, Michael Murphy, I think of of, of any players, talks to, seems to talk to referees more than most. In in my experience, at least, and like I was actually surprised in in the Armagh game that like he's normally kind of calm and collected, and he actually he said, uh, it was, and it was towards the later stage of the game when Donegal had the game won, and he said, I won the fucking ball after a tackle, and it was the first time I've seen him lose lose his cool to a referee in a long time. But generally, these these lads aren't influenced and shouldn't be influenced. Just on Murphy as well, I I, I would have a bit of um, sympathy for him because the Armagh game, I thought that you know the Conan mentioned the inf- the incident on Monday where the the four lads got around him after winning the ball, but they seemed to be tackling him high, as in their hands were above the ball. They weren't even going for the ball; they were just stopping him at the shoulders. And because M- Murphy is so full strong, he was nearly getting through it, as opposed to maybe you know, maybe trying to let on to the referee that he was fouled. It was nearly like a choke tackle. So, and we've mentioned in the past that, like, that's happened to Aidan O'Shea. And actually think about Aidan O'Shea is he's probably got better at letting the referee, making sure the referee knows that he was fouled. But but in general, like, yeah, in, in like, Declan Bonner is obviously going to say that before Sunday to try and get a bit of protection for Michael Murphy. And Mickey Graham hearing that is thinking, well, there's no way I'm letting get Declan Bonner get an advantage. You just like to think that the referee is going to be sensible enough that he's not going to let them influence him either way. Samir, we want to talk about this game um, a, li- a little bit, um, lads. And surely to God, here's here's a big criticism. I was trying to think back of last year's Ulster final. 
And a big criticism I had on the Monday after that final is that Cavan started with Jared Smith, a corner forward, and he went back wing back and they played with seven defenders and they played defensively and they were well, well beaten other than, you know, a late rally at the end to make the score look uh, respectable. And then I was just thinking... Like, I mean, will they just go for it this time? We saw, heard Mickey Graham's comments at halftime in the down game. Surely, Connor, this will be their the, the message this this week from the word go. Because what's the point of coming out? They've had the experience of an Ulster final and maybe the tactics there were stay in the game, stay in the game. Surely they won't come back with those same tactics. I saw Mickey Graham talking about the lack of supporters and hype around, around Cavan. And he says, you don't see anybody. Last year, the place went berserk. We were in our first Ulster final in 18 years and the supporters had nothing to cheer about, uh, Right, or had, had had nothing in the past to cheer about, rightly so. So there's none of that this year and it's just another game. You just treat it, treat it as another game and it is an Ulster final. It's basically just a game of football in the middle of winter. Why can't they just go for this? Galligan full forward, Connor Madden full forward, McKernan holding the 40, Martin Riley holding the 40. Stop this nonsense of trying to stay in the game and just treat this game like the second half in the down game, like you're beaten at halftime. Yeah, I was listening to you uh, discuss Mickey Graham's comments on Monday as well. And actually, Park Faulkner was talking uh, after the game, I think it was the We Are Cavan podcast or something like that, but he was saying that like that was their, what their attitude for the second half was actually what they had said at the start of the game, but for some reason, they didn't do it. They they, they were paralyzed by fear or something like that. And then it, it go, yeah, they wouldn't let go. It took them. It took them to go ten points down to actually suddenly decide. Well, we're on. Well, you know, we're on our way out of the championship here if we don't cop on. And it was the same with Mona. It took a huge deficit. And the problem with that for Cavan is if they go behind against Donegal, if they go three, four points behind, never mind ten points behind, there's no way back. They're dead. They're gone. That's it. So like. This, this 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 theory that they might kind of try and play their way into the game and then maybe bring on some game changers uh, later on that, that that that's not going to cut it. They have to go out. No. They have to go out this for the start. It mightn't be good enough. Donegal are better than them anyway. But at least uh, as we've said in the, in 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 the last number of weeks with regard to a number of teams, die with your boots on as opposed to die wondering what what might have happened had you not gone for it from the start. And just to go back to that game last year, Willie as well. That they they made changes to the full forward line immediately. They, they changed the complete composition of the full forward line immediately before the game. And it was nearly like an admission of, of right, we're going to kind of try and have what we hold here. And then they ended up conceding 124. And they made it look they made it look decent at the end, I think, when uh, they got a goal late on. Yeah. But they were eight points down, I think, at halftime. They got back to six. Jamie Brennan got a goal with 20 minutes to go and it was game over. And it was just, you know, the, the scoreline was cosmetic at that stage. So not only have they their games against Monaghan, their games against Antrim to a lesser degree and definitely their games against Down. But they played this. They played the Donegal team a little over a year ago, and they know what happens if if they go defensive from the start. So they just have to Mickey Graham, whatever he did at halftime the last day. Now, Barry Faulkner reckons he did it from the start, but they have to absolutely avoid at all costs that complacency from the start. And yeah. Now we have to we have to obviously point out that there was a, a strong wind in that game, which had a, a, an effect on both halves. So, like, I mean, obviously we're not completely forgetting about that. But here's the thing, and this is something that is very obvious is going to happen. If you play Galligan and you play Madden in there, now Madden blows hot and cold. Listen, maybe he's on a hot streak after that half. Let's start him, right? Play Galligan full forward. We know what Donegal are going to do. We know they're going to drop Hugh McFadden back in front of them. We know he's going to run straight back almost like Colin Kavanagh. Now, here's the thing. I always used to be of the opinion, why don't you get the midfielder to follow him in? That's one option. Follow him in. And even Colin Kavanagh on this show admitted to me he couldn't understand why teams didn't do it. He said Donegal did it once, but it didn't really work out and nobody else tried it. Bizarre. Now, here's the other thing. If you say McFadden's going back in, and we all know this is going to happen, McFadden will go back in, especially with big two uh, big men like that. Who's your spare man out the field? And how are we going to use that spare man out the field to hurt Donegal, right? So will the message in training on Thursday night be, who's our spare man? So whoever it's going to be, say it's Jared Smith, say it's going to be somebody at the back or maybe a midfield. I wouldn't say it's a midfielder because Donegal will push out you know, someone on that midfielder, that will be part of their plan as Hugh McFadden drops. So say it's a defender. Jared Smith, will use him, for example. He's a decent attacking, um, attacking defender. 
why would the Cavan game plan on Tuesday night, Thursday night this week is to every time we f- reach an impasse where Donegal have got back behind the ball, who's our spare man? Look for him at all times. Make a, let him make a nuisance out of himself. Let him be the spare man going in, uh, following a fella, trying to break a line for a pop pass. And then if somebody goes to him, we have another spare man. Some advantage has to be gained, uh, Jer, because we all know that teams are kind of pairing off now so the attacking team will move up on most of the 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 zonal players and it'll almost be a one-on-one now McFadden will be the odd one out in that because he'll be covering the full forward line and the Cavan spare man will be the other one odd one out so Cavan have to completely make a nuisance out of this fella am I making sense here well I'm just writing down everything (laughs) on division four next year Uh, I'm pushing up on the sweeper uh, Colin Cavan is uh, that's a that's a great idea in fairness and and uh, it's it's I know what, what what a lot of teams do if, if there's a sweeper in there uh, what they ask the forward who's being marked to do is is to kind of come out and, and stand beside the sweeper and there's nearly two fellas marking you yeah that kind of eliminates him a bit um it's a it's a fair point it's a fair strategy and it's something that um i'd certainly try uh if i was cabin in, in trying to maximize that that free man um i look at uh, connor kind of mentioned it in his in, a, in his comments there you know whatever cabin do um if, if cabin have a 10 out of a 10 game 10 out of 10 game and, and donegal play 7 8 out of 10 for me donegal will still win they, they they just have too much uh, firepower there. Um, if 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 Cavan and we'll know very very early uh, when the ball is thrown in, whether they're going to set up like they have set up um, for their previous games against uh, Bowen and, and, and Monaghan and that. If 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 they're going to be just trying to stay in the game and and uh, give themselves an opportunity in the latter stages of the second half. Um, I would say it's very hard, Woody, um, for a team to break out of that defensive way of playing um, and certainly up in Ulster I think it is a challenge because a lot of teams come uh, up there set up in, uh, in similar ways and it's like it's um, uh, embedded in their in their mindset uh, versus a Cork who are more of an offensive team than Warden Kerry and were able to kind of set up defensively against Kerry as Kerry were in some ways setting up defensively too but they just weren't fired uh, mentally, Kerry, and, and uh, didn't, 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 didn't take their opportunities. But if Cavan push up, if you're a Cavan player and you're, you're, you're looking ahead to the game the weekend, I think it would be a great challenge um, uh, to be given from management to play a different, more aggressive uh, type of football and ask proper man-to-man questions of, 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 of the Donegal players and, 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 and ask real questions of them and see how they perform then. Yeah. And Again, I still only see the results going one way. Um, yeah, it's probably hard to see past the past the Donegal win here, um, Connor. What do you think of you know when you're playing a team that very much have their defensive tactics flagged to you? There's really no excuse in that scenario for not having a counter plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like as good as Donegal have, as you said, it, it's fairly clear what they're going to do. It's just. I suppose when it went, when I mentioned earlier about kind of you know it, it was more to do with Cavan's mindset than you know to do with tactics and kind of based on the and the breeze and stuff like that because I think it I think it was the more of a mindset change as much as a tactical change against you know their games to date there's a kind of, there's a kind of change it so what Cavan need to do well is give is give Donegal something to think about like Armagh for me give gave Donegal very little to think about and the game was over by half time and Tyrone did it at times in the game against Donegal, but not enough, you know, just to, you know, whether it was with putting uh, Conor McKenna and Derek Canavan inside and letting ball into them or, you know, just, just not not letting Donegal have things at their ease. Donegal, have played, Donegal played our match completely on their own terms. Now, as I said, I I, try, I, I think Donegal are, are long enough around. This Donegal team are long enough around. There's enough versatility. There's enough tactical flexibility that they can react to whatever, um, whatever Cavan are going to throw at them. But I just hope that Cavan do throw something at them. I suppose that was the most demoralising thing about the Armagh game is that like we thought, while they weren't at their level, we thought that Armagh had a bit about them to give Donegal a bit of a test and they gave them no test whatsoever. So I just, for, for the sake of the game, um, I just hope that Cavan 
I just I just hope the cabin there that are able to do that the next day and show more what they were like in the second half against Monaghan and down than they did in the first half of those games where they were very poor. Yeah. Okay. Predictions here, Jar. Quickly. Well, I, just to throw in uh, a bit of historical information here, right? It's, it's the, this will be Donegal's fourth time to win a three in, in a row in their history if they do win uh, the weekend. And a question for you there quickly, which team was the last team to do it, to win three in a row in Ulster? And it just shows you how competitive Ulster is. Well, you should have been listening to the show last week or the week before, Ger, because that's our match. It's a very easy answer to that. <laughs> right, let me get a prediction. Don't try to catch me out and stuff like that, uh, Jerry. This is my job. Yeah, well done. All right. <laughs> Go on, hit me, hit, give me a prediction. Donegal could win. Oh, they could give them a break if he wants. Eight, eight, nine points, Donegal. Jesus. Uh, okay, we, we might have to revisit that. Um, Connor, what about you? Yeah, I'm sorry to say, Willie, after all I've said there, the handicap is minus seven, and I think Donegal will beat that, so. Right, okay. Yeah, I got, look, I, uh, yeah, it's hard to know. It's a, it's a good handicap. It's making you think. You, you know a good handicap when you're not sure which way. I think it's Donegal win for me um, as well, but you just love to see a good spirited uh, performance from Kevin because, like, I mean, to be fair to them, they've won an awful lot of fans this year, the way they've come back and the way they've been playing. So we'll see how that goes. Right, we'll come back and we'll have a look at the Leinster final. I said, are you want to get up or you want to stay in bed? I, I said, we have a game there about half three. If you, <laughs> if you, if you, wouldn't, mind, if you wouldn't mind joining us. <laughs> didn't even start like, didn't even go for the back. Took his line, took his extra five minutes. It was like, it was like the snooze button. Hit the, hit the snooze button for another five minutes. Rolled out of bed. One seven that day. All right, so Dublin versus Mead, lads. This is a big rivalry that probably isn't really a rivalry um, anymore, unfortunately, with Dublin's dominance of the Leinster Championship. I want to bring your mind back, uh, Ger, to 2010. Um, uh, Mead scored five goals against Dublin. There was a young man called Ger Brennan lining out at left half back. And I remember being on Hill 16 um, watching this one, just kind of seeing these goals flying in, wondering, Jesus, what is actually happening here? I'm nearly sure Dennis Bastic was full back uh, that day, which was, a, which was a, a weird one. Maybe he wasn't. No, actually, he wasn't. He was, he was full back maybe the year before. Um, maybe the year before. I don't know what your memories of that. They scored five, was it 5-9 the last day as well? The very same score as they scored against you that day. The, 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 the history books, yeah, they might repeat themselves. Uh, <laughs> Like, like, even if you had no Dublin defenders there, which, which you didn't really, uh, <laughs> but, uh, like for, for a, a team to score five goals against Stephen Cluxon is, is, is outrageous because he's one of the best shot stoppers, um, in the game. And look at it was just one of those, um, uh, I suppose from a me point of view, beautiful moments in sports where, where, where everything just goes your way and, uh, the momentum is with you. Uh, every ball you hit has been struck beautifully and there's nothing or very little the opposition can kind of do uh, to, to stop that momentum um, you're right I was in the defence that day wing back and uh, the game has gotten away from us before before we knew it and you know, those goals killed us they just ran down us uh, strong running in numbers but again great 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 finishes too to get past Stephen Clux it's hard to believe it was 10 years ago yeah, I think our own Keen Ward scored a brilliant goal. I think that might have been the last goal um, of the day. It was just an incredible day. And in fact, I don't mean great days that Dublin were capable of being beaten in Leinster, but like, I mean, they haven't been beaten since. It's 10 in a row they're going for now at the weekend. And it's just such a snore fest that, like, I mean, the Leinster Championship is dead in the water. And like, I mean, if we're being honest here, we're going to look at Mead's chances here and they don't have a chance. Like, I mean, they're good forwards. Killian O'Sullivan, John Small is going to go on him. And he never usually gives him a kick of it. You'd imagine Shane Walsh should be picked up by Fitzsimons. And Fitzsimons is one of the stickiest uh, players in the game. And Merchant might pick up uh, Young Morris, who's been banging banging in the goals. You know, like, I mean, Dublin Connor have perfect matchups for the Mead forwards. And the Mead forwards aren't really, like, if you're looking at the Mead team, number one to nine, 
they're they're not far off you know super eight the top teams it's from 10 until 15 i would see them as probably falling a little bit short and the good ones that they have dublin have a match for them yeah we're saying that after me they've scored uh, 12 goals in two championship games and we're we're questioning the quality of the meat forwards with with reason too i mean like even just looking back in the kildare game last weekend as well i like i don't i think that the top scorer in the forward line was maybe 1-1 think uh, Jordan Morris and Killian O'Sullivan got that but those goals the goals that Mead got last weekend they came about because of Kildare mistakes and like Dublin just aren't going to make those mistakes do you know what I mean like that's it was the same against Wicklow as well they're coming up against a team that just they just have no have, have, have very little weakness and they're not going to be able to capitalise on it in the same way so and, and like I was you know you nearly you know get carried away by seeing the scorelines that, that Mead have racked up thinking oh they might give something to Dublin and then, like Keen Ward was on on Monday describing Mead's performance against Kildare as their worst in eighteen months. So, you know, you're you're going to expect a backlash to a certain degree, but a backlash in this game might mean that mean that Mead are within four or five points at half time before likely going on to lose by potentially double figures. It's like it's it's depressing to think about it, but it's it, it's it's the reality and it's where it is. And as you said, whatever whatever advantages Mead might have, Dublin just trumped them immediately. Yeah, know? and that's. That, that that's before the throw and like and even if they weren't if those matchups weren't to work out for some reason you'd be confident that Dublin have somebody either in the certain 15 or ready to come off the bench that if it doesn't work well then they're going to have somebody else that's going to make that that's going to make it work for them and that's before we consider the damage that Dublin could do at the other end of the pitch so it's a it's a chastening thing to think about coming into a Leinster final especially one against uh, one between Dublin and Mead but it's the reality, uh, I'm afraid, and, and we're looking at potentially another cakewalk this weekend. Yeah, the 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 Mead forward scored or the, the Mead team scored 14 points against Wicklow. Now they got seven goals. They scored nine against Kildare. Now they got five goals. Now you're looking at those 12 goals, and I'm saying, Jerry, if they get one goal against Dublin, they'll be doing very very well. You know, I'd be mo- I'd actually in a way be concerned about those two score lines coming in against a team like Dublin, unless they completely change their game plan, rip up the script, and start trying to go for goals against Dublin. Well, I, I I would actually look at the league game uh, in Parnell Park a month or so ago. Uh, I know it was only league. It was in Parnell Park and a heavier pitch. And the scoreline, Dublin 120, made 19 points. And there's, you know, very, very uh, closely, it's nearly the same teams um, with a couple of introductions here and there who are going to take to the field uh, this weekend for the Leinster final. So I would say Neil will take great confidence from, from that league game. Uh, Woolly, um, I, I I think they will uh, go out with with little, uh, certainly less fear than the, the, they might have had uh, for Dublin. And I think if I was Andy McEntee, I'd be looking uh, usually towards that league performance and what they did well in that game as a, as a way of possibly breaking down uh, the Dublin defence. But you know, when you talk about the matchups that Dublin have and their defence for the mid forwards, I, I would agree with those matchups if I was picking the team. I'd be putting those three different players on those three mid marquee forwards um, and they will have a good handle on them. I think there's a massive own, uh, onus and responsibility on, on, on Mead's half-back line and, and midfield to be able to drive forward and to turn the Dublin defence to get in behind the initial defensive line of Dublin and to, uh, and to force Dublin to defend running towards their own goal. And it's only then will you see opportunities, or real opportunities, um, pop up for potential goals or for the likes uh, of Killian O'Sullivan and um, uh, Shane Walsh and that to be able to uh, uh, pop over a couple of scores. Uh, but that's what I would be looking at now if I was made. I'd be looking at the taking confidence from the league and then I'd be looking at breaking uh, hard from, 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 from half-back. Uh, midfield and run the ball hard through the hands to to to, to try to turn the the double defence, and and that's probably your best chance. But do, uh, here, just on that, Gerardo, like I mean, what team running hard at Dublin has ever done well on Dublin? Like Dublin are the best team in the tackle. They're the best team at this running game, and I see this as a weakness from teams that the the teams that trouble Dublin, like Mayo and Kerry, have based their tactics around a, more of a kicking game. And like isolating Johnny Cooper in a one-on-one or isolating, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity on Merchant as a cornerback potentially. What team running at Dublin from the half-back line? And I think this is where a lot of teams are getting bogged down and they're getting, I don't know why they're all doing the same thing and continually not working. And the only opportunity a team against Dublin ever gets for a one-on-one is maybe winning a ball off a long kick-out. 
And sure, that doesn't happen because Fenton's an absolute animal in, in midfield. So, like, I mean, did, they're dropping a lot of players back, right? And even Leash, Dublin conceded 11 points to Westmead. Like, they laughed at Westmead. They conceded seven to Leash. They laughed at Leash. And obviously, Leash left three players up, whereas Westmead only left one. But it was still a version of the same thing. Your half-back line dropping back to try and help a defence. And then Dublin not following them, maybe follow one of them following. So now you have a situation where Dublin have two kind of spare men around the half-back line midfield. So even if Dublin do kick the ball away at some point, you're coming running up the field, running up the field now, because there's no kick option. There's no kick pass ever you know, in front of you. And you're trying to run through a, a blue wall of big, strong, physical men, and you can't get it up there. And by the time you do get it up there within stri- striking distance, the two halfbacks that haven't followed are kind of half covering your full forward line. So you have no game, you have no offensive game plan at all. The whole, your whole game plan is based around this outdated notion that you have to drop your whole half back line, half forward line back into the defence to help them out. So I, I... To, 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 to probably expand on, on what I was getting at, what are you right? Is, is if, if the kick passes on from half back, right? Obviously, your kick pass forward would, would be your go to option to to, uh, to move the ball forward as quick as possible. But the support has to come from the middle eight, uh, sorry, from the, the half back line and your, and your two midfielders driving hard off the shoulder. And then the example you described there where Dublin have a few bodies back and you know, there was a couple of times in in, in the Westmead game where I remember Dublin had most nearly their whole team behind the opposition sixty five uh, because they attract back, and 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 we'll probably see it at the weekend. But if you can keep a couple of forwards, three four forwards up there for me to to keep those extra Dublin defenders honest, well then you are putting your defence somewhat uh, at more of a risk. But what I would credit Andy McIntyre for is the physical shape. And conditioning that uh, he's gotten the me players too, and I would I would argue that they're not a million miles. Um, they're a lot closer to Dublin physically than than uh, uh, we're probably giving them uh, credit for. And I think there's an opportunity if you're in the me camp to, to to play a more aggressive uh, go forward game, uh, commit, uh, leave an extra few forwards up there, four forwards up there. And in the way you described how Mayo play and Kerry play, the, it is a kick pass and uh, forward passing game, but they are getting up in support. They're playing a high press. Um, so if Mead are turned over in there in the, the, the Dublin defence, at least they still have four to five players up there who can put a decent press of the ball coming out as opposed to just conceding the ground straight away and, uh, like you say, dropping all your half-forward back line, which... Yeah. I wouldn't do, you know. Yeah, I don't think you can do. And when you look at it, Connor, at the Dublin defence, you have Michael Fitzsimons. He's not your Paddy McGrath, Owen Bon Galler. He's not just going to take off up the field and drag you out of position. Johnny Cooper has stopped doing it. He used to do it. He used to, The whole game was, was based on it. Whether it's he's not at an age now where he can do it or whether he's kind of sees himself at, at trying to perfect the art of defending, who knows. Owen Merchant probably won't do it all that often. He might he might do it once or twice. You have John Small who will man mark Killian O'Sullivan. So there's very little excuse outside of your traditional wing backs like McDade and McCarthy who will, you know, go forward to support attack, which is normal. There's very little excuse for Mead in this game to say we're not we're going to leave four forwards up there. And we are going to have some men ahead of the ball if a Dublin pass goes astray or if we, you know, are lucky enough to get a turnover, that when we turn it over, we have an option of you know, having a credible attacking game plan. Yeah, I, I think that out ball is crucial. You, you've mentioned it, and like you, you've mentioned a few times before about the how, having that link man on the forty or around the forty. And I think a lot of tough teams that play against Dublin don't have that, and it's something that Mayo and Kerry particularly did well. Uh, Jason Doherty, Kevin McLaughlin for Mayo, Sean O'Shea, maybe Stephen O'Brien, the likes of them for Kerry. That that there was just one thing about like watching teams against Dublin is that they just get penned in. And they, they, there's nothing. There's there's no outball whatsoever. There's they, their only option is to turn around and ambass to somebody else. By which stage Dublin just swarm them, end up turning over the ball in their own half, get a score, and then they're looking at penning them in for the kick out again. So you'd like to think that like you know Andy McIntyre will have watched Dublin beat Leash by twenty two points, Westmead by eleven points at their absolute ease, yeah. and know that 
going to have to do something different. And that will involve, listen, you're going to... See, Mead, the, pro- the problem is, Connor. Mead's game plan isn't all that different. I've seen enough of them. That's Mead's problem. <laughs> I know, but we're talking about having to cut your thought to suit, yeah. you know, to measure and like that this is it like Andy McIntyre can look at it at that and think that well listen I can play this way and I'm going to go down it mightn't be the same amount as it mightn't be 11 points like Leash or it mightn't be 22 or like uh, 11 points like Westmead or 22 points against Leash but it's going to be it's going to you're going to go down you're going to go down comprehensively as opposed to trying to ribbon up the script a little go back to go back to get some traditional mead about them do you know what I mean and, and go more directed and have that out ball and, and be more you know take a few more risks and then, yeah, you might, you might listen, it might go at the end up the other way and he might have egg in his face. But there's more, you know, at least that to me is a better prospect of at least trying that than doing what Westmead done, have done and doing what Leach have done and likely losing by double scores. Yeah, they don't they don't have the forwards to play the 1970s style drop kick, drop kick well, the ball uh, that I was suggesting Leach did, that Leach didn't do. They don't have the forwards. So that's why it's even more important. Number one, that Dublin will probably give them four defenders that won't drag them out of position. Number two, that the mid forwards need a certain ball that they have to go through the lines. Their inside forward needs good ball, through the lines ball, like ball from their half forward line, not shite ball. And that's mm. why I think that, you know, there's no excuse for me this Saturday. I might be sounding like a broken record here with these teams, but I'm just getting sick of it. And even McGuinness said it on Sky. Most teams are playing a version of the same thing. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that just shocking? that most yeah. teams are playing a, a, a similar kind of version of the same old thing. I give you credit, Jerry. you're trying to break that mould with Carlo. I give John Mohan an awfully credit. He's trying to break that, uh, that system, going out to play a bit of traditional football. I think it will eventually get back to traditional, more traditional football. We just have to get this nonsense out of managers' heads. It, it's well, Woolly, right? I, I talked to a few Leash pals and, 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 and other mates as well, right? Like, Leash were the scoreline after 20 minutes, right? Uh, last week it was, it was, it was relatively close, and, and, and Westmead were, were, were doing their best to, to stay with Dublin as well. What, what happened with the likes of the, the Leash of this world at the moment is uh, they go out onto the pitch knowing that they're going to be bad anyway. Whether they admit it publicly, uh, I'm sure they don't. Uh, they, they, they do a bit of shouting and the talking to the dressing beforehand, but in their heart of hearts, they don't actually believe what they're saying. As opposed to going out, and this is the psychology of it, Wally, if uh, the players were to execute the game plan that the manager wants them to do uh, on each set play, and I know we're talking about set plays a few weeks ago, but each play execute that game plan to the best of their ability uh, for the 70 odd minutes. They will be far, far closer to Dublin than what we currently see because players begin to switch off. They stop tracking back up front and and just overlaps everywhere. And then fellas are getting on to each other. Uh, they go into themselves and then all of a sudden the floodgates open. And, and, and the result that we see last week for Dublin overleash is something we've become quite accustomed to. So I would say in between the years, um, and that's where Mead, I think, will be a bit stronger than uh, a leash and a Westmead. Um, I think in between the years, uh, McEntee will have them fairly roiled up. And, and that league game in, in Parnell Park was actually enjoyable match to watch. There was a few little, not fisty cooks, but there was a good bit of argy-bargy in it uh, from the Mead players and Dublin players, uh, which which was no doubtedly... Uh, encouraged by, by uh, Andy McEntee and, and Desi Farrell alike, I'm sure. And I, I think we're going to see a couple of those little skirmishes now uh, on the weekend too. But I think Mead will, will have a far better mental resolve to, to stick with Dublin for a far greater time. And and, and to go and to, to, to fully agree with what you said, Woolley and Connor said there as well, is if Mead go out and play the way we've seen them play the last... Um, a couple of games, you know, the results will be probably inevitable and Andy McEntee will probably not have learned anything particularly new as opposed to tweaking things, going a bit more traditional, uh, as you say, uh, a bit of a higher press, a higher squeeze, like we see from the Kerry uh, and Mayo when they when they push, they have pushed up and close and they have a ding-dong battle at us, you know? Yeah, exactly. So listen, there's not much point in doing predictions here, lads, is there? Like, I mean, we'll all go for Dublin and we'll leave it there for the day. Uh, yeah. yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it right we'll leave it there like I mean it will be interesting to see um, what Mead do and like I have to give Mead credit I, I, sometimes I feel I'm uh, overly critical on Mead they beat Kildare uh, fair and square last week you know which was a who's number two in Leinster match so you know they deserve a lot of credit we'll see we'll see and they haven't been that far off the top teams I just look it's Dublin so like I mean we're qualifying everything that we're saying in that like I think this year could be the easiest All Ireland uh, Dublin ever win. Um, sorry mm-hmm. about that, Connor. I know that's hard for you to hear. I'm sure you're all dreaming um, out there. <laughs> right, come here, lads. We we'll leave it there, um, and we'll be back on Monday and we'll review the, the the matches at the weekend. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. <laughs>